All right, so let's get started. We are in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, this is part 2, so we're, we'll be going through verses 12 through 21. And um, the title of this message is Forget and Press On. Forget and Press On. We're going to learn what that means today. And I pray that this word is an encouragement to you. As we learn how it is that the Apostle Paul is giving this word to the Christians, to the church in Philippi, so the Lord is giving that very same word to us today here in Riverside. The very same thing, that we would be encouraged, that we would understand that there are some things, there are many things, in fact most things, that we need to forget about, leave behind, and instead press on and upward. And we'll learn how... We should be encouraged in that. All right, so let's read Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that, to, uh, reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many... Of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their, they glory in their shame, with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be, to be like His glorious body, by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Heavenly Father, we want to submit and commit to You that which is before us in our very lives. For they belong to You, and they have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we joyfully and willfully again submit them to You. I pray, Lord, that we would be attentive to what you have to say to us, giving us understanding of your word. Lord, that we may, in fact, forget those things that lie behind and, and instead focus on that which lies ahead. And so, Lord, uh, we commit this time into your hands. Speak to us. Give us understanding according to your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's my opinion that many people struggle with earthly things. Many earthly things trouble us. A lot of... And what I say... Uh, what I mean by earthly... Uh, I'm talking about worldly things. They trouble us. They, they worry us. Uh, they fill us with anxieties. They burden us, they weigh us down in such a way that it's very evident because they stifle us, they distract us. 
They entangle us. They trip us up. Many people desire the things of this earth and their bodily satisfaction more than the things of heaven and spiritual satisfaction. You know, I've often said that the saying goes, that you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And, and I've heard that. I remember hearing that years ago, right? And I thought, how can you be so heavenly minded, minded that you're no earthly good? I mean, everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in Jesus Christ. That is being heavenly minded, right? That, that is having a heavenly perspective of all things. Uh, seeing everything before us through the eyes of an eternal realm and, and not or an earthly one. Actually, that's, that's a worldly statement. It's actually not true. Because you can be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. You can be so wrapped, in the, uh, wrapped up in the things of the world that you're of no value to heavenly things. And that's the truth. That's according to God's word. There is this struggle. And we need to instead be reminded and be encouraged to consider the things of the Lord more than the things of the world. Above and beyond. The struggle between the worldly and the heavenly is a struggle that we are constantly engaged in. And we're going to be until we go home to be with the Lord. But I believe that it is a struggle, not of engagement, but rather deciding And listen to this, which side we're going to take part in. Far too many people struggle in this way. And that is why the struggle tears many people up in a different way than how it tore at the Apostle Paul. See, the Apostle Paul was in tears because he knew that they... That was leading people to destruction, eternal condemnation, for they remained in their sin. I know that there's too many people that struggle with this. Why? Because it's not that they're in the midst of a struggle, that they're confronted with these things, but that they're kind of choosing, I don't know, which way do I go? Do I go with the Lord or do I go with the world? I don't want to offend. And the Lord says, be distinct, be separate. Be holy unto me. Be a peculiar people. You're supposed to be that. We were reminded yesterday, but you guys know that there was a conference here yesterday, and there was a beautiful brother by the name of Ken Graves, and he brought the word unapologetically and with great power. By the Spirit. And he reminded us of how it was that Jesus braided himself a, a whip. And how it was that he drove out the money changers. He overturned tables. And, and he, he, in that point, demonstrated someone who wasn't afraid of offending. Offending for the right reasons. Right? 
I mean, we can be offensive for the wrong reasons. Let's, let's not be offended for the, or offensive for the wrong reasons. May we be offensive for the right reasons, standing in the truth, standing for the Lord, come what may. You know, before your boss, uh, I remember some time, uh, some years ago, um, I'm also a chaplain for, for uh, Kaiser, and so I remember telling my, my boss, listen, you know, I, I know I'm going to be going into rooms and, and, and praying and ministering to people, but I go in the name of the Lord, and um, so I will not betray uh, my faith in, in the Lord. And so I will not be going in the name of any other religion or anything like that into these rooms. And um, so any, I, I told her, anyone who does is like this spiritual chameleon who is not faithful to anyone, right? Although if someone wants to have a, a priest from some other religion come in, then that's a different story. They can, they can bring them in, and that's fine. You, you see, and come what may. Come what may, right? If I get fired, that's Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. If I'm persecuted for that, it doesn't matter. I'm right before the Lord, and, and that's really all that matters. And I won't turn my back on Him. Why? Because He's never turned His back on me. Never. And I still work on, of course, walking with the Lord and being faithful to Him. But I think too many people are are, are torn, and there's a struggle because, like, where, where do I go? Where do I stand? The question is asked, what do I do? Do I choose the world or the Lord? And it should never be a question of which to choose, but rather a conviction held in a decision that has been made to follow Jesus and then pressing on toward Him and engaging in battling anything that may oppose reaching that prize. My prize, and I will fix my eyes on him, and anything that comes against me, well, I will deal with that as I'm on this path to embracing my King and my Lord Jesus Christ in his glory for all eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's a conviction that is held, a determination that has been made. It is a commitment and a devotion to the Lord, and that's it, period. I desire and I seek to honor and bless him and him alone, and that is it. And as I deal with circumstances, situations in my life, people in my life, I don't get sidetracked. I don't get distracted. And I don't allow those things to pull me back from blessing and glorifying the Lord as much as I can, however I can. That's what we're encouraged with this morning. Because remember that Paul's perspective was determined by his relationship with Jesus Christ. And the value he placed in knowing Christ as his Lord and Savior surpassed anything that had, he had attained, gained, and even what he suffered as loss. It was all counted as dung. Remember that last week? It was counted as dung compared to knowing Jesus Christ. That was everything. And having the hope of the resurrection in Christ. That was everything. Yeah, everything was counted as loss. It's okay. It's all loss. I don't consider those things. With that, Paul would constantly forget. And, and this is the thing. Today, we need to forget and press on. Yesterday is another day. Tomorrow is not here. 
Today, this is the day we have. Today, you need to forget and press on. That's it. I need to forget and press on. Today. Because Paul was doing the same thing. Forget and press press on. Forget and press on. And then again, forget and press on. That's what we do. Forget and press on. Every single day. The only way we will do the same is if we, like Paul, find more worth in knowing Jesus Christ than anything this world has to offer. Today. What does the world have to offer you that is of more value than pressing on for the sake of glorifying Jesus Christ? Think about that. What does the world have to offer? And so we're encouraged, right? The ultimate encouragement is to draw near the Lord. And the Word tells us as we draw near to Him, what happens? He draws near to us. He draws near to us. And if you love Him, if you love Him, if you've had an encounter with Him, if you have a relationship with with Him, then you will value that relationship above everything else. It won't even serve to compare. So forget and press on. Number one, we will see how to forget and strain forward. Number two, how to press on toward the goal. And number three, that our prize is not here. It's not here. So let's start out with forget and strain forward. Verse 12, let's read once again. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Spiritual maturity is knowing that there is always more growth ahead of us. More godly wisdom to learn and apply. More of a godly character to reflect, but can only do so. It can only be revealed and brought to the surface if we are continually growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just drawing closer to Him. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Notice that it doesn't say, um, hey, you know what? Just go ahead and ask until you've received all wisdom. Just up to that point. No, it's it's when. (laughs) When. When you lack wisdom. Every day we lack wisdom. So let us ask. Let us go to the Lord. He knows all things. Let us ask of Him and He will give us without reproach. And he'll give us generously that which we need. If we ever think that we've, we've arrived and we stop reading and we stop seeking God's wisdom according to his word, then what we are in essence declaring is that we have reached the level of God. We have come to know all things, and so therefore, you know, I, I know the Word of God. I, I don't read it anymore because 
I've read it. Don't raise your hands. But how many of you, think about this, have actually read through the Bible from cover to cover once? How many of you have read it twice, three times, four times, five times? Because God's wisdom, and He reveals Himself in this book that we have before us, it's revealed to us, He is revealed to us from Genesis to Revelation all the way through. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's beautiful how it is that we come to understand and know how it is that the old and the new come together. In the old, He is prophesied. In the new, He is fulfilled and revealed. It's beautiful how we see the shadow in the old and the substance in the new. Bringing it all together. If you, if you just take your time and read through, if you lack wisdom, and again, something else that Pastor Ken was saying yesterday as I brought both of my boys, you know, he'd come here and, and meet Pastor Ken. And he asked one thing, and he asked, I know he asked Jesse too, right? That very question. The one thing that he emphasized is read the Word. Read through the Bible. Why? Because this is what will happen, is the Lord gives you wisdom through the Bible. And it's amazing how it is that when you are faced with certain difficult circumstances in your life, with certain things that you're not too sure what to do, how it is that the Lord will give you wisdom for that situation, and you'll wonder, as he said, where'd that come from? Where'd that wisdom come from, right? I have no idea. No, where it came from was the Lord reading his word. That's where it came from. I know he was asking yesterday, uh, our, our youngsters, right? he's asking, so what are you going to do? And what's the general answer for m- most who are, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17? I don't know. Right? And that is, I remember being 17 too, and I think I would have answered the same way. I don't know. Right? And that's what it was, I don't know. He says, you don't know. <laughs> See, the Lord had already moved in his heart. You, you guys think that um, our kids cannot know what their calling is in the Lord at a young age? They can. Yesterday was a, a great example. At 13, he knew. He knew he wanted to have nothing to do with the world, and he wanted everything to do with the Lord. He wanted nothing to do with the world system, and he wanted to just follow the Lord, serve him. He knew that. We can know at an early age what it is that the Lord has set for us. If we lack wisdom, go to the Word. That's where you get it from. Keep asking and God will give it to you, each and every person who asks generously because we need it, because we don't know it all. And that's really the bottom line. Right? Keep asking. Why do you keep asking? Because you don't know something. I keep asking God questions every day. God, please explain to me why it is... Oh, there it is. I have these conversations with my, my brothers and it's like, hey, listen, the day in which we live in, the answer to the dilemma that we are faced with today, the confrontation, the, the struggle that's there is all found in the Word of God. And it's amazing how accurate it is. Amazing. 
If anyone could possibly claim to have great wisdom, it would be the Apostle Paul. But even Paul said, I haven't obtained spiritual perfection. I have not arrived. But the key is looking to God's word to obtain what we don't have and not lean on our own worldly philosophies or false biblical interpretations to fit what we want or to argue against someone else with. Far too often we kind of make up stuff as we go. Instead, you know, we should know. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him or know Him is how we will acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. It's in Him. As Christians or followers of Christ, it doesn't work that way as far as coming up with our own interpretation of the Word of God. You see, we all fall under the Lordship of the Word and Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church and the groom of the bride, the church. We are His bride. So Paul encourages us today to think the same way, humbly considering the fact that we have not arrived, but we press on, meaning we set our face forward and never looking back. We don't look back. The only way we will do this is when we know there is nothing worth looking back to and knowing there is everything before us in Jesus Christ. It's a mindset. It's a heart set. It's where we place our full devotion. It's saying, I refuse to lift my hand from this plow. And I continue to press on. And this will be tested. And what causes you to lift your hand from pressing on will determine how well you know the prize and value it above the things of the world that you are confronted with. It's not something that surprises God. It's something that's revealed to us. What we do with that means everything. Paul was teaching the Philippians by example and word. Jesus had laid hold of him and made him his own. And now, because of this, Paul was pressing on to make living to glorify Jesus his own or laying laying hold of it. The question is, what does this mean, right? What does this look like? Well, the word laying hold of is, is uh, we can also say it this way, apprehend. In the negative sense, I, you know, we can look to uh, law enforcement and know that uh, there are certain people who break the law and they need to be apprehended. And, and so they're, they're, they're taken, they're apprehended, they're known to be under submission and control, Right? In the positive sense, let's go to football. As far as football is, is concerned, it's like, it's like the, the one with the pigskin. What happens with him? Oh, he's left alone, right? Go to the end zone. Go. Keep going. Keep going. And everyone's cheering for him. No, there's a group of guys normally that aren't too happy about him having that pigskin and running toward the end zone, right? And they are running for him. They want to apprehend him, strip him of whatever and bring him that that ball and bring him down. They want to apprehend him, grab a hold of him, and then bring him down. 
This takes great effort and determination and focus, never giving up in pursuing. And that is how we are to go after Jesus. With that same determination, with that same focus, I, I want to go and I, I want to apprehend everything of Jesus today, this day. I want to know everything. I want to get closer to Him. I haven't attained, as Paul said, I have not attained. I'm not there yet. But I want to pursue Him because He is my prize. I want to keep going. Forgetting what lies behind. Uh, nothing worth holding on to back there. And then straining forward like a runner leans forward at the very end of a race to hit the ribbon at the finish line first. That's it. Yeah, have you seen the runners you know, running the 100-yard dash? Uh, you know, and the, the other races, how it is. At the very end, they're straining forward. They're giving it their very all. At the, at the very end, just everything. And just throwing that chest forward. Why? They, they want to hit that ribbon first. They want to win. That's how we should be living life. Today, I want to strain forward, upward, onto the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Today, with that same passion and determination, I want to take hold of him. I want to bring him in close. I want to draw near to him. For I value him above all else. How do we do this? Well, quite practically, by reading. Reading, just get into his word. Listen to him. Pray before you read. Ask him to give you understanding. The Holy Spirit will give you understanding. He brings you understanding of the very word of God and points you to Jesus. Spend time with him. Fellowship with other believers. Surround yourself with those who are passionate about him and will encourage you to do the same thing. Strain forward. Too many people, perhaps it is you, are not forgetting what lies behind. We struggle with that. You insist on holding on to something in the past, and, and that's what's holding you back from running forward. Yeah, it, it, just imagine this. You have an ankle weight, like ankle weights. You have a backpack with rocks. And then you're at the starting line with a bunch of runners who have running shorts and light shoes and and they're just ready to go. Wouldn't that look ridiculous? The Lord is saying, hey, strip all of that off. That's all what you have behind you. Today, repent. In other words, confess. Because if you confess and you leave all that stuff behind, you can run this race with great confidence and endurance. Why? Because you're focused on the Lord before you and not what lies behind. You're not dragging all that weight behind you. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside the weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. His whole will was to fulfill the will of the Father. For us, let us hold that before us, and fulfill the will of the Father in Christ Jesus. This is who we are straining forward to.
Secondly, press on toward the goal. Verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Uh, Do you want to know the secret to Paul's tenacity and perseverance in the Lord, regardless of what he was faced with? I do. I want to know. How is it that the Apostle Paul can endure so much and yet still hold fast fast to, to what was before him? What is it that drove this man to where he was beaten, left for dead, and then went back into the city to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ? I want to know what drove him. Don't you? We're Christians here, right? Am I in the right place? Yeah, okay. You guys all right? We want to know that. Here's the answer. The goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the answer. Right there. When we get to the point to where we we do value this life, but not above coming into the glory of God, then we'll understand that. And today, we will live it with great purpose to the glory of God. Because Paul's prize was knowing he was headed toward God because he was in Christ Jesus and his hope was secure and so he pressed on toward that goal. Again, today I ask you, what is distracting you? What has your attention today? Is, is it that? What has taken you off course and instead of focusing on the hope of heaven and serving the Lord today, what, what's taking you off course? You, you know, when we say, hey, would you consider doing this? This is the struggle. If you say, well, I need to pray about that. Think about this. Are you praying because the struggle is deciding between the world and the things of God? What, what is it? Right? Remember I said our main struggle is not just the struggle, the, the circumstances that we find in front of us. Our struggle most of the time is deciding whether we want to appease the, the flesh or the Lord. Think about that. We're selfish. I think I'm speaking truth, right? That's our struggle. It's like more time for myself or am I sacrificing for the Lord? Is this going to really stretch me in the Lord? Or, or, or is it just I don't want to be stretched? I want to stay in my comfort zone. I know that troubles will probably come against me. Why? Because I know I've done it in the past. You're looking back. I've struggled in the past. Why? Because I know that as I step forward and start serving the Lord, that the enemy doesn't like it, and so there are certain things that I'm confronted with. Perhaps those are the very things that you need in order to refine you and strengthen you and encourage you in doing the things of the Lord with greater purity and focus. We deal with those things one way or the other. Let us not focus on those things. Let let them lie behind where they ought to be and let us look forward to the Lord. So what takes us off course? Listen, what or who calls us up 
That's, what, that's the voice that we need to be listening to, the prize. God is the lifter of our heads. Remember that. Keep your eyes fixed on the prize of God in Christ and don't look back, but live today. Redeeming the time is what the Bible tells us, making the best use of today and glorifying the Lord. This doesn't mean that we reach forward and up in our own strength either. It's like, oh, I'm going give to give it a little bit more, you know, umph. It's like, no, you know, what, you know what it is? Christianity, and I'll keep saying this, Christianity is surrender. It's not in our own effort. It's not in our own power, but by His Spirit, by His grace. And so rather than give it more strength in our own flesh, relax, rest, and surrender to the Lord. When you do that, the burdens will be lifted, and just know that you will serve the Lord with great joy and without a burden. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. If it's ever a burden to serve the Lord, you're doing it wrong. If ever the yoke is taking you in a direction you don't want to go in, you, you have the wrong yoke on. Or perhaps you're, you're struggling against the Lord. Because He won't take you in a way that is difficult or wrong. Not at all. And it says here that the spiritual, uh, spiritually mature will think this way. Another, and, and for us, think this way. But if you don't trust that God, you know, is that for you, and He is not your prize and goal, the Apostle Paul says, you know what, for me, I've laid out the truth. This is what we ought to be doing. That should be our prize and our, our goal, Jesus Christ. God through Jesus Christ, right? And if you don't think that way, I rest just as the Apostle Paul did. Because he said, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So for the, the Philippians, he was saying, hey, listen, just hold fast. Know and walk in that which you know to be true. For everyone else who is at this moment thinking, nah, not for me. I, I stand with the Apostle Paul who says, you know what, I trust that the Lord will reveal things to you that you need to know in due time. So you give it to the Lord. I give it to the Lord. And I pray that the Lord convict you and move in your heart to get aligned with the Lord and not with your own will. If it's contrary to His for those who think this way, remain there in your thinking what you have come to know. That is, those who do agree and do understand this. Just keep walking that way. Help others get there. Let them see the unity in those who do know and are pressing on and straining forward and upward. And finally, our prize is not here. Verse 17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom... I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Verse 17 tells us and encourages us, we need more good examples. We, need, we can never have enough good examples. We need more good examples. 
Paul was not being arrogant here. He simply had his eyes fixed on the Lord and desired to glorify the Lord. He was continually learning how to, learning how to do so without looking back. And he says, you know what? I, I before the Lord, am confident that, that I'm seeking and desiring Him and His glory and His glory alone. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Come, come with me. Let's go together. There's nothing wrong with encouraging one another in that. Right? Our eyes are on the prize. Because Paul knew that there were others doing the very same thing, and he was encouraging the Christians in Philippi to do the same. Come on, be encouraged. Allow yourself to be encouraged by others around you. There are those who are joyful in Christ and are serving Him, and then there are those who are constantly grumbling and not serving Him. Which ones do you think you should be following and imitating? Which ones? The grumblers, complainers, the gossipers? Oh, they're godly, right? No, not at all, right? Not at all. It's those who are actually seeking to glorify the Lord, those who are joyfully serving the Lord, it's those who you need to be imitating and being encouraged by. Surround yourself with those And if the reason why you're not around those people is because they don't think the same way as you do, well, well, I trust that the Lord will reveal that to you in due time. Because there are those who we should not imitate. And there are those whom we should imitate. Paul said here, there are many whom he had warned them about who are enemies of the cross. We see it here, right? It's like, hey, you know what? Uh, Don't be divisive from the pulpit and don't start naming names and calling people out and all of that. It's like, the Apostle Paul did it. This is the Word of God. He actually did name names. He did do that. That's not being divisive. You know, if I... Okay, if a shepherd of sheep... Do not warn the sheep about a wolf. What kind of a shepherd is he? Bad shepherd, right? Maybe even an evil shepherd. Would would he desire that these these sheep be devoured by the wolf? Yeah. If you notice a, a wolf in sheep's clothing among the sheep, what should a good shepherd do? Take him out, right? Take him out. Paul was a good shepherd. He was under shepherd of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Because he was saying, I've warned you about many who are enemies of the cross. These are people who disregard the atoning power of Jesus' death and shed blood on the cross and its enduring power and effect in our lives. I, I've been telling you, these are the people who, they, they proclaim a different gospel, which is not a gospel at all. These are people who emphasize the flesh in not following the Lord Jesus by denying themselves, picking up their cross and following Him. That's what being a Christian is. Denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following Him. If you hear from the pulpit always, like this motivational speech, how it is that you need to believe in yourself, how it is that you need to love yourself more, how it is that you need to follow your heart, it's all anti-biblical. Okay? 
Because this is not, this is not home. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's all about the Lord. These are people who have set their minds on earthly things and not on heavenly things, let alone desiring and eagerly awaiting the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said that he said this with tears. He wrote it out, right? I I say these things with tears. He wrote them out by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, can Can you for a moment consider how many other times when he was beaten, he was crying, when he was tortured, he was crying, when he was imprisoned, we read that he was crying, right? When he was brought before the, the rulers, he, he was always crying, wasn't he? No, I, no, he wasn't. We, we never hear how he was crying because of all these things. But in this moment, he was crying. He shed tears. So I write this to you with tears. Why? Because, because he knew that their end was eternal condemnation eternal damnation. And he did not desire that. He desired that all would come to repentance. That's what he desired. These are people who, according to Romans 6, believe that now that they were saved, were at liberty to indulge in whatever they wanted, the flesh. The soul was saved, and therefore it didn't matter what they did in the flesh. But that is not right. What we do in our lives is an indicator of who we belong to and who we truly desire to glorify. In contrast, Paul was reminding the Philippians that their citizenship was not an earthly citizenship, but a heavenly one. Um, Resident aliens. That is what we are. As Christians, we're resident aliens. We reside here, but we're not citizens of the world. Our citizenship is heavenly. Living in a foreign country with citizenship elsewhere. The Philippians would understand these words of Paul because they considered themselves under Roman citizenship, although Rome was far, a far distance from Philippi. Long distance, right? Physically. We are resident aliens here on earth, set apart and distinct from the world in Christ. We are marked with a heavenly citizenship and should be noticeably different. Again, I remind you about the, the person who led me to Christ. That person was notice, noticeably different from everyone else. So that's what drew me, to ask questions. We are to respect and honor the laws of the land we live in and do good but not focus on getting attached to the world. Uh, building, up, like, building up riches should meet, not be our primary focus. That comes, we should work hard and we should do good. That, that, that shouldn't be our primary focus. Why? Because we're not going to drag any of that into eternity. We're not. But let us do good here. Let us do the works of the Lord and the things of God. We live with the expectation of Christ's imminent return, His rapture of the church, His bride. We know that He will transform our bodies to be like His. Is that what you want to do? So Jesus is the one 
in whom our hope lies. And we know that he not only has the power to turn our lowly bodies to be like his, as we read, right? But also to subject all things to himself. All things. You know, so we submit them to him. Those things that we can't seem to get rid of, they're dragging behind us, they're, they're, they're weights, right? They entangle us and all that. Just know, hey, when you submit them to the Lord, he can take all those things and subject them to himself, right? We subject them to him. We give them to him. That's why I keep saying it's a surrender. Christianity is a surrendered life. That's what it is. I just, I don't know how you do it. How do you deal with all these things? And then you just seem like you're at peace, you're filled with joy and all that, regardless of the circumstances that are before you. Why? You know, these things, yes, I deal with them, but I keep giving them to the Lord. That's what I keep doing. Some of you fail to do that. Why? Because you ref- it's not because you can't. It's because you refuse to do it. We shouldn't. Just know the Lord is there. He's just waiting. Give me that burden. Give me that burden. Because I care for you, is what the Lord says. And that is who we are pressing on to, forward and upward. As our citizenship is not here, and our prize is not here. So, let's conclude here. Remember, God will not force anyone to forget what lies behind. That's something you need to do. Remember, God will never force anyone to press on. That is something... You need to do. And you will do this if you know the prize, Jesus Christ. If you know how it is that through Christ, we have access to the Father. Oh, how beautiful. That, that's why, you know, I talked about prayer at the very beginning, right? We will go into that place, into the throne room of God, when we realize who it is that we're meeting with. Oh, through the torn veil of Jesus Christ, His torn body, we have access to the Holy of Holies. When we come to know Him, we, have, we will have no problem joining together in prayer, giving Him all our burdens, and knowing that He desires to take them all and for us to simply have the joy of the hope that lies in Him. He is our prize. Our citizenship is not here. We have an eternal perspective, a, a heavenly perspective, And for us, we are resident aliens here on earth. We're passing through. We're pilgrims. And we're on our way home. When we know that, we will understand how it is that the Apostle Paul could persevere and was tenacious in blessing and glorifying the Lord, come what may. May that be our hearts and our minds and our commitment and our devotion to the Lord because we know him. Father, we thank you once more for the love that you have for us. We know, Lord, that you are faithful and and that you are true and that you are our prize. May we have an eternal perspective because we realize that you have taken a hold of us and because of that, demonstration of love, We want to take hold of you. We want to bring you in closer and know you more intimately. Father, if there's anyone here who does not know you, I pray that this would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day of surrender. 
Because if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then the Bible says we shall be saved. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It starts there. And we have that encounter first with you. The revelation of Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And secondly, if we're still carrying these burdens, let us lay them aside. Let us give them to you and surrender. And instead, persevere, press on, forward and upward, to the upward call of Christ. To the prize of the upward call in Christ. To God the Father. So Lord, we lay it all before you. We ask for your help. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. I, I wanted to just close with this. And, and this is because <clears throat> it's funny. It's something that the Lord had uh, laid on my heart before. And I think it's good for us. If we could all uh, rise to our feet. This, um, this is one of those declarations. This is something that should be... Um, declared and proclaimed as followers of Jesus Christ. And it's, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you've decided to follow Jesus, if you're following the Lord, then this is your declaration. All right? So I don't know, if do we have that? Perhaps we can pull it up. But it's easy. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I pray a blessing that the Lord would bless us with his presence, with his very spirit, that he would anoint us and go before us, and we would simply follow. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.